0: The title sponsor of Hunt Talk Radio is Leupold. Leupold Optics are the trusted optics of accomplished hunters and shooters. If it has a gold ring on it, you know it was built by American Hands in Beaverton, Oregon. Whether it's a new rifle scope, binocular, a spotter, rangefinder, or eyewear, go to leupold.com to learn more and look for these fine Leupold products at your high-quality retailers. (laughs) Hey folks, Randy Newberg here. Welcome to Loopold's Hunt Talk Radio.
1: As I've walking, I saw something on the side.
0: Folks, Randy Newberg here with another episode of Loopold's Hunt Talk Radio. This time, I'm trying to film this from my computer. So, those of you who just listen to the podcast, you don't have to look at my ugly mug, but we're trying to load some of these on social and on YouTube. So, the crew has me trying to record these video style. I don't know. I, we'll see how it works. But anyhow, today, I want to talk about how you can draw a tag in 2024. And some might say, well, why is that, what's that got to do with conservation and everything else? Well, if you walk around our office on all the whiteboards, it says why to promote self-guided public land hunting and to inspire those to advocate for those or inspire people to advocate for the resources essential for such. Well, In order to do that, you need a tag. So that's why we've always done all these podcasts, all these videos about explaining to people how you draw a tag. Because if you don't go hunting or if you don't have a tag, you're not going hunting. And maybe I'm wrong, but my theory is if you're a hunter, you're going to be more connected to these public lands. You're going to be more connected to conservation. And that is good. So I'm going to have on the podcast today, two of the guys down at Go Hunt. They are the experts on all these applications, all these little intricacies of every state. And uh, Brandon Evans and Nate Bear are going to be here. Uh, Quick as I hit the button, they're over in what's called the green room, whatever the heck a green room is. but they'll they'll join us. But uh, we've been putting out some videos this year, uh, and not necessarily state specific. they are videos about how to plan, how to have a budget, how to prioritize, how to get the most value out of everything, depending on what species you wanna yeah. wanna hunt or what state maybe you wanna hunt. Some places to avoid so you don't blow a bunch of money that you're never going to get a return on. Uh, We also have a video coming out about a whole bunch of information that maybe you aren't looking at that could be helpful in building your crystal ball. And the reason I call it a crystal ball is if it was all looking historically out the rearview mirror, it'd be easy to draw tags. But we're really talking about... Projections, right? What's coming in the front windshield in the draws this year? How do I get a tag this year? And that requires taking all kinds of information, bringing it together, uh, and coming up with your best guess. I mean, hopefully it's an educated guess. But the the point of of concern I have that causes me to do a lot of this stuff and and provide information is I think that people feel that there's no opportunity for him. That, you know what, if I wasn't in on the ground floor back when Newberg and his buddies were doing this 30 years ago, what a am just wasting my time. And they throw their hands up in the air. They give up on hunting. They give up on conservation. They give up on being an advocate. And that doesn't have to be the case. And even if someone's been at it a long time, I know they you know there's times people get frustrated I, I didn't draw this again this year i didn't draw again next year you know year after year you, you haven't drawn and in this podcast i'm going to talk about a story where i thought i was only three points behind and 19 19 years later i was two points behind i'd gained one point in on the pack in 19 years uh so it's easy to get frustrated and and you know maybe throw your hands up in the air. But the point of this and this podcast, and I think Brandon and Nate are going to bring a lot to it to illustrate that if you set your priorities, you set what it is you want to do this year, there's a place that you can do it. Some state, some weapon type, some season type where you can probably go and do it. And don't sit at home if you do want to go hunting because I say this so often, and I say it to my crew, I say it to family members, I say it to friends. If you sit out a hunting season, you never get that season back. No matter how many seasons you have ahead of you, you never get the season back that you sat out. And that's uh, that's my hope. I hope that when we're done, everybody realizes there is probably some place, somewhere, some species that they could go hunting in 2024. And uh, I hope you do that. So, Thanks for being here, and uh, I'm going to click the button here. And hopefully, when I if I hit the right button, the editor will be able to put all this together, and it'll make sense. So, appreciate y'all being here, folks. Well, folks, I told you that today we're going to have real experts in this whole idea of how you get your tag and how to make sure you go hunting this year. And Brandon and Nate from Go Hunt are here. Welcome, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you having us. Yeah, I told the world that when we have the real experts on, now they're going to get good advice because (laughs) they've listened to my my advice forever. And it's, you know, it's not even worth probably a quarter, but but they listen. We'll
2: have advice. We'll see how, how good that advice is. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh,
0: well, in the introduction, I built you guys up pretty big. So uh, anyone who doesn't you draw their tag this year based on the advice in this podcast, they're probably going to be Brandon at Go hunt Nate at Go hunt. I, you want me? You want me to edit that out? You guys don't want your email addresses <laughs> no, out there?
2: Feel free to honestly feel free to email us. We love those conversations. Um really? conversation is a learning point for us and for I think individuals. So we we yeah. actually love getting feedback from members and listeners and different things. So okay, we can, we can leave the contacts in there. It's great. okay
0: well i didn't i shouldn't have done that without asking your permission but uh you know recently we've been doing videos here in this studio that i'm sitting in about how to get the most value for your your budget don't don't you know be one of these people who just throws it around without a purpose and a plan and that kind of requires us to sit down and say what's our priority i kind of use my own example for that that I'm going to age myself, guys. I applied in Colorado in 1995 as my first state because it's all I could afford. Right? I lived in Montana. The next year, I cut enough firewood and scraped together enough money that I think I added Arizona the next year and then Nevada. And so I had a budget, so I really had to dial in on my priorities about what I wanted to do. But I think for most people, if they sit down with a budget – and some realistic priorities they should be hunting in 2024 absolutely yeah
2: the the opportunity is there um it's just finding that opportunity and you said something key is the kind of the value correlation between the 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 dollar aspect of it and what you're wanting to get out of it i think value is a unique term in hunting because a high value hunt does not have to be a high dollar hunt, if you right. know.
0: So Yeah. And that's I always tell people value is where you intersect the cost or the price with what the the benefit was to you. And the three of us on this podcast, we're probably all gonna have a different value in each tag that we might end up with. And, you know, I, I got a pronghorn problem. So most people would be like, whatever, I wouldn't pay that for a pronghorn. Me, I'd trade two elk tags for a pronghorn tag, but, uh, yeah, I think
3: with most people, it's has to do with what you, what you like to hunt and what you want to get out of it too. You know, most people are either going after either trophies or maybe people are just looking to get out family thing, um, type deal. And there's, there's tags that meet every criteria. It just comes down to the specific individual and what exactly they want. So, and there's ways to get them.
0: Yeah. That's the message I, I want to give to people because uh, I, you guys had a tagline before that was called be your own consultant. And I thought that was such a good tagline because I, I'm not going to pay someone to do my applications There's services out there where that's all those people do is sit and study this stuff just like the two of you. And if you pay them enough money, they'll do their
2: your applications for them. Well, that's, that's, that's pulling a tagline from back in the day, Randy. That's from the, the early years. But yeah, um, each person is so unique in what they want to get out of a hunt. And it what I've found over the years is as family situations, you know, as you start having kids and boys and they get older, the value I want out is very different or the the yeah. hunt that I want to experience is very different than it was five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, you know, I've got boys that are just, I've got three boys, family, wow. my poor wife, but um, I have a seven year old, <laughs> a four year old and a one year old. And my seven year old is just chomping at the bit to just get out and do anything. And yep. so like, I'm starting to look like my, What I'm wanting out of a hunt is very different. Like I'm looking at those antelope hunts. I'm looking at a a second, third season rifle deer hunt that I can hunt out of a hotel in a pickup because I've got my four-year-old and seven-year-old with me and I'm not going to backpack them into the wilderness. And so my application strategy is constantly evolving as just life situation changes. So um, you shouldn't be stuck in a rut trying to carry as many points as you can going into every single state hoping for the elite of the elite and, you know let's let's pass on the, the tradition of hunting and get get in the field more often than you know once every 10 years so yeah Nate you got any kids?
3: I don't.
0: No. No. Okay. Well, I I will confirm Brandon's statement that once you have kids your hunting perspective changes a ton. If you would have told me I'd be such an antelope nut. And I started looking back for what was it that caused me to grow into this antelope passion I have. It was because I had a two-year-old and I couldn't pack a two-year-old around on an elk hunt. But in October in Montana, the tags were easy to get. The weather was nice. The terrain was easy. I look at all of our first hunting pictures. They're antelope hunts. Antelope hunts, And so it only makes sense, I guess, that some of my fondest memories were out hunting pronghorn at the time and that's what i could afford that's what my budget was that's what my family situation was and now it's grown into this addictive thing that i uh, i just wish you could apply for
2: pronghorn in every state
1: but uh,
2: yeah see, i'm not i'm not quite that addicted on pronghorn <laughs> I, think, I, I think they're incredibly fun to hunt i look at them as they're all two points and so yep. i don't have to be choosy my kids could express <laughs> it but
0: Oh. Every pronghorn's a forky, huh? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm I'm sure in, in all the customer service questions you guys get, you probably get a lot of people asking about where do I start? What should I even do? Because you you probably got some people who are just. And it could be a combination of things. They're just getting into the Western hunting. Or the thing I've noticed a lot lately, and I hate to pick on the Oregon guys, but Oregon has had a lot of changes in their system in the last two or three years for residents. I go do the Portland and Bend Oregon sports show every year. The number of questions in just since those changes happened of, hey, Randy, can you tell me, I got to start applying out of state. So when these, when states have changes, Washington and Oregon, you start seeing more of these people doing that. So you're probably getting calls from people like that asking, "Hey, where do where do I even start? Do you, do you guys give them any starting points, or is it just dependent upon where they're at in the process?"
3: I kind of look at. Um, I I typically start out by asking them exactly what they're looking for. I, I mean you start out with species or i mean is it something close to home uh this and that or are you willing to go all the way to colorado type thing and, and the answers vary and yeah. you know then you start pointing them in the right direction if they're on a cost budget type thing you start pointing out states that might have a cheaper non-resident hunting license or maybe you don't need a license to get points uh, like wyoming um you get questions from you know i guess the different sides of the spectrum but uh I point them out based on what they're looking for, and there's enough states that seem to give them that. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it just depends.
0: Well, folks, application season is winding down, and then it becomes planning season, it becomes gear season, and then it becomes hunting season. And all of those things that you need are at Go Hunt. Go Hunt is a sponsor of the Hunt Talk podcast. If you go out there and you want the one-stop shop for everything the Western hunter needs, that's the place to find it. When you go to the shop and use promo code Randy, they're going to give you discounts on regular priced items. And when you sign up for Insider and use promo code Randy, they're going to put $50 of credit in that gear shop just for you. Go promo code Randy. Go there and do it. Nosler Ammunition is the official ammunition of Hunt Talk Radio and every other platform that we produce. Nosler was founded in 1948 by John Nosler and over that time Nosler Ammunition has proven time and again why so many hunters and shooters trust Nosler. Whether it's Nosler bullets, components, or their premium grade ammunition, Nosler's reputation at quality shines through. We shoot exclusively Nosler e-tips, acubons, and partitions in all of our rifles. And all of those can be found at Nosler.com or look for them at fine retailers near you.
2: Yeah, we don't don't leave them high and dry, Randy. If people reach out and ask, even if they're not members, we try and get them pointed in the right direction. Um, Yeah. Part of that is, you know, members of Go Hunt, I should say. We're if somebody just out of the blue emails in, we're gonna point them in the right direction. Like Mate said, a series of questions gets them off onto the right track. Um, that's one of the big things we we kind of pride ourselves within Go Hunt is just keeping the hunting heritage alive, like promoting hunting. That's how yeah. we're going to be able to continue to do it for our lifetimes and our kids' lifetimes. So we help them out. But like Mate said, there's there's a varying questions that we get. Some people, you know, are pretty advanced and ask those questions. You know, they, they've hunted two or three States and they're looking for more options. Um, Others, you know, have, have hunted close to home, have hunted where grandpa took them hunting as a kid. And, (laughs) and that opportunity is gone. Like you're saying is as these Western States change, you've got to start looking and, and looking at surrounding States. And the more you dig in and look, the more opportunities that surface that's been the the most eye-opening thing is I was one of those that grew up hunting with my grandpa and my dad and we literally hunted the same canyon every year like every Mm -hmm. day of the season and it was just that's what they did and and as I got older and and started branching out I was like you Colorado was my first state that I jumped into and it was it was back then the draw reports and the statistics that they produced were so overwhelming and complicated that I just was like, I want to go hunt this type of terrain and I knew I could draw a tag. So that's what I did. And then as you, as you learn more, you find more opportunity. But um, like Nate said, it, it varies on, you know, a lot of people right now just want to experience hunting. They don't, you know, the 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the industry was kind of catered towards that trophy hunting aspect. And, yeah. You know, what are the top five units? And any more, it's show me some opportunity. Let me get in the field. Let me experience elk bugling in the woods. Let me just, let me have that experience. Um, and we show them how to do that. In fact, our product allows you to literally find opportunity to do that every year. So, yeah,
3: you get a lot of, uh, you get a lot of East coasters that'll com- uh, call in or email in, and that's their biggest thing. They just want to go. Right. And, <laughs> you know. I mean, there's a hand i mean most of the western states have an opportunity to just go um and then like i said just ask them questions and find what they want and I mean they're tickled as hell just to see how much there really is because there still is
0: yeah so no i'm I'm gonna rat out a guy named Caleb uh he knows where he's from I ran into him in Wyoming last year and he recognized me and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm here hunting. I'm like, oh, you seeing anything? Oh, yeah, I got a cow elk. I can't believe it. I can get this cow elk tag every year. He was so excited and talking about the meat, and he traveled from the Midwest, and to him, he's out on public land. He's exploring new places. He's learning about elk. He's hunting, and he got you know, 150, 180 pounds of probably really, really good meat. And that, to him, his priorities, he, he he couldn't believe how good of a value proposition that represented for him.
3: Yep.
0: And uh, so I think everybody's a bit like that. And as as things change, you know, I use Washington example and uh, Washington and Oregon as an example of how things change and that changes hunters and how they respond and behave. Just in my home state of Montana, we've had so many ranches and properties that used to be open to the public you know say you know yeah bring the kids out and all this and ranches change hands and it's happened in a big way in montana now there's a lot of people within my home state of montana who stop and ask me questions about montana because like you were saying brandon they'd always hunted this one place that that's just what they did for 50 years and then they lost access to it and now they're having to start almost uh, pretty much from scratch trying to research and learn new stuff and that's what i've been happy to see then you know in the last i don't know four years you guys have really dug into a lot you've added a lot of stuff for residents so that people
2: can go and research their own state yeah even like you were saying montana the permits that you can buy and nate is a wyoming resident those two states in my opinion if you're a resident of those states our product is is actually quite tailored to you, even if you 're not branching into a a neighboring state because there you can get a permit that is valid across you know multiple areas and yeah. not to say that grandpa wasn't a great hunter, and the areas that he tried to teach you were awesome, but you might be an hour away from something that's just phenomenal, like just because the the family tradition there doesn't necessarily mean it's the best opportunity for you in your home state and that's as as I got older and traveled I actually growing up in Utah, I had that opportunity. When I was growing up, our archery tag was valid statewide. And so I started exploring, you know, our general archery tag was valid at any of the, any of the general units. And so I could bounce around, like I was planning where my, where my opening week was going to be. And then, you know, after high school and different things during the week, I could hunt my, my home, you know, close to home type unit. But I started realizing early on that, you know, if I'm willing to just, pay for a tank of gas I might get into some incredible hunting and so that's that's you know that's our product does that with those types of opportunities you know I have a I have some family members that are always complaining they can't draw their general deer tag in Utah and I I go well yeah but you you're applying for the same unit the same hunt you know they added a new early rifle season to these units a couple of years ago, if you would just change and hunt the week before that you typically <laughs> used to, you'd draw more tags. And so you'd try and educate them on just open your eyes and look at opportunity and you'd be putting a tag in your pocket more often.
0: So. Yeah. Well, Nate, I didn't know you were a Wyoming resident. You're probably going to hate me when my video goes up about <laughs> what I think is the best value proposition for Eight. the traveling non resident because you guys took home the prize for archery elk, rifle elk, pronghorn, and you came in second place for meal deer,
3: yep, well, hey I, anybody that asks, I'll tell them i mean I, and I said the same thing in a video we just did about Wyoming is i mean it's especially Wyoming elk, um yeah. whether it's a general tag or whether it's a limited quota um it probably in my opinion it has the best quality not just in animals and cells but numbers um so and yeah the the opportunities i mean people might get a little upset this year just because of the new changes for a general tag um and uh, might have to make them pick and choose but uh man if they're in the field if they have a tag it's a good one to have
0: yeah so well, you've kind of led me down. We're, we're there, as you can tell, there's really no structure to this podcast. So, Nate, you've now opened the next gate when, <laughs> when you said the change for the Wyoming general elk tags for non residents. So, you're a resident. You go by this general elk tag if you don't draw on the limited entry draw, and it's, you can hunt any of the general units. It's,
3: yeah, it's nice.
0: Yeah and <clears throat> now this year well it, also as non-residents had to buy, had to apply and draw that the, the code with G-E-N, general mm-hmm. but now this year they've broken it into three subregions I don't know what you want to call it west south and east and yep. for non for non-residents so if you're a resident you, you can take a nap till we get on to the next subject, but uh, uh, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with those three, because you look at how different each of the three areas are. The eastern general area access is going to be difficult because it's mostly private. The southern area, well, it doesn't have a lot of wilderness area, so non-residents The the guide requirement is less. There's not grizzly bears. The terrain is, in most places, a little more moderate. So I wonder how many people are going to apply for that southern tag. But the bulk of the elk are over in the western, Mm -hmm. in the western general tag. So it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out.
3: I think for those, you know, there's talking to people on the phone, and a lot of those are East Coast East coasters or Midwesterners that come to Wyoming hunt, they hunt the East side and limited access. Just like you said, there's a ton of private over there, but I have a feeling like for people like them, I mean, their odds might get better and (laughs) they might be able to, they they might be able to draw it more often than not just because like I said, it's hard to tell what people are going to do. But I mean, if you took the bulk of the hunter's, and on last year's general tag, when they had the whole state, the bulk of them were probably in the Western region. Yeah. And so for those that have hunted the East before, uh, for those that have hunted the South, you know, we've said this a few times. I mean, I think things are either going to stay at a level playing field or in some, you know, in some draw cases, especially draw cases, they might get better.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I can see a, the East for sure backing into some of those changes that was one thing that i was very happy to see is they removed that what seven seven thousand two hundred and fifty non-resident cap and so it's allowing them to actually provide more non-resident elk hunting opportunity in the state and so when you look at the numbers that they're projecting to to offer into those regions i'm like i'm with nate i i i think the two regions the two non-popular regions could be could potentially become easier to draw and you know if you're looking at that southern southern region there's something there's some great elk hunting there like it's a different type of terrain it's a different type of elk hunt but there's some there's some great opportunity there um i think the classic wyoming elk hunt is in that western region you know that's kind of what people yeah they want to go hunt the the pine timber the quakey the like that Yep. that's the wyoming elk Hunt. and so i i do think it's going to be it's going to i i i am mixed because at the same time they made this change the way that they split permits versus the regular and special draw that special draw now is is expensive like yeah. it's
0: i added it up i I went in and actually I did my application uh this weekend it's like, well, I may as well do it, even though I know I'm going to go in and amend it sometime between now and when they close it in well, like May 4th or 5th. They say, hey, today's the last day to amend them. And by the time I paid my special license fee, I I wasn't, I was, I'm like, I'm not doing it, not at this price. But I've always done the special. I'm like, I am not doing it. But I did it. So they got me. And so it. It caused me to wonder how many other guys are like me or like, you know, this really chaps my hide. I ain't doing it. But then you get there and you're like, well, how bad do I want to hunt Wyoming? And will I forego some other state? Yeah, I'm going to drop another state probably or or drop another
2: species somewhere just so I can do Wyoming. See, and that's kind of the – that's the debate that I've gone back and forth on is it's getting – the price tag is high enough – that it's you would think and you would speculate that it's gonna turn back into what the special draw was intended to be. Right. But on the flip side, I think there's a lot of people that are that are in that mid tier, you know, you're talking that three to five, six point range that are like, I'm 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 gonna bite the bullet, I'm gonna spend the money. Hopefully I draw the tag and I I can, you know, get out of the system and then play the the regular draw from here on out. And so there's a whole bunch of speculation, and is as Nate calls it, guessing, if you will, um, <laughs> going into what what's going to happen with the draw, and it's going to be interesting how things play out. To be honest with you, I'm yeah. I'm more intrigued with the changes in Wyoming and kind of that retrospect of the draw this year than I have been in a lot of years. So it's it's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see when the draw comes out in late May. I'm going to grab those PDF draw reports they have and i'm going to be doing a lot of study because i'm really curious how many guys are going to be like me who okay i was complaining about it but when the time came wyoming offers such an amazing product for the elk the public land elk hunter i'm i'm in and so i i paid that my application fee at my credit card transaction fee is like 2014 dollars
2: yeah. Hope my wife doesn't see the credit card for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know but. we've and we've talked about that internally. Um, across the West, it's getting more expensive to hunt, um, and that's where I think you know you talk about value. I still look at Wyoming, even at a two thousand dollar price tag, the experience in the hunt that you get with just even just the general tag in that state is worth that price tag to me. Like the experience you're gonna have, you're yep. not gonna be able to purchase that in a surrounding state for the same dollar. And so that's why, you know, it's it's hard pill to swallow when things get that expensive, but the value you get in return is hundred percent worth it in my opinion. So
0: yeah. Well, that's I think that's gonna really shake things up. I think other states are watching. If Wyoming doesn't see even a hiccup for this big fee increase, I suspect other states are gonna be thinking, you know, we're probably underpricing our product. And you I you know that's... I I hate for hunting to require as much money as it does, but I'm I'm not able to change that. But
2: we follow right. within our research department, we follow most commission meetings. Like we're watching or, or observing most in most western states, and that's that has been a topic on Colorado's commission multiple times over the last year. Colorado has kind of a price increase index that they follow. It's like a standard for the Denver area. Um, So you'll notice like some weird price increases in, in Colorado, but their commission has brought up surrounding states, and they actually do competitive analysis on what it costs you to hunt a species in various Western states. And, you know, a lot of people think that these states don't talk and don't interact and don't compare, house seats are managing wildlife but they do it's, it's <laughs> they very do. apparent <laughs> yeah it's very apparent that it's you know the, the cost of a pickup truck rises and it's not just one brand of pickup that goes up it's it's a pickup truck across the market so yep. you know hunting is is very similar in that regard
0: the hunt talk radio podcast is brought to you by mystery ranch backpacks for years i've been using mystery ranch packs it might be the metcalf or the bear tooth the sawtooth or the pintler no matter which Mystery Ranch pack you choose, here's how you can save 10% on your purchase. Go to the Go Hunt gear shop, GoHunt.com, put a Mystery Ranch pack in your cart, and when you check out using promo code Randy, you're going to save 10% off that pack and most of the other regular priced items in your cart. Mystery Ranch backpacks. Can't beat them. Go check them out. Hunt Talk Radio is brought to you by Outdoor Class. Outdoor Class is an online learning platform that includes access to courses from some of hunting's most trusted experts. You'll find courses by my buddy Corey Jacobson, Remy Warren, me, Hank Shaw, John Barklow, Jamie Teagan, and the list is growing and growing. And here's the other cool part. My buddy Corey, who founded the University of Elk Hunting course, the popular course that is everything known about elk hunting, his course is now part of your subscription to Outdoor Class. So all for one subscription at one price, you get all of the Outdoor Class courses plus Corey's University of Elk Hunting. Go to OutdoorClass.com, use promo code Randy when you sign up, And you're going to save 20%. This will be great information for any hunter. Hunt Talk Radio is brought to you by Outdoor Class, an online learning platform that includes access to courses from some of hunting's most trusted experts. Outdoor Class now includes the University of Elk Hunting course from my buddy Corey Jacobson. All these courses in one single subscription at one price. Go to outdoorclass.com and use promo code Randy to save 20% when you sign up. This is great information for any hunter at any level. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I think Wyoming, at least for non-residents, not for you, Nate, as a as a resident, there hasn't really been much change as a resident, has there?
3: No. And. I mean, just selfishly, as long as they can stay that way. I mean, I know eventually it'll probably change, but yeah, uh, I'm going to try to soak up what I can while I can.
0: So Yeah. You, you know, the part that always dumbfounds me is after the elk draw comes out and the deer and the pronghorn, how many resident Wyoming guys are asking for a point system for deer, elk, and pronghorn as residents? Because you guys don't have a point system right now for no. those species. And, if I was... If I was living there as a resident, I'd be like, shut up, man. We got it good. Just, let, you know, you're not going to draw everything every year, but
3: shut up. Yeah, that's my stance. So let's just leave it alone. I mean, it's not like the residencies are increasing, you know, like uh, like some others, which is good. So, I mean, I mean, if you went from 100% to, you know, 80% on a draw, well, it's, that ain't that bad. Let's just hang on for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that, that's the other thing that's happening. You know, we look, I look at Montana, we have people moving here. We have this television series that it's one of my badges of honor that I have not watched one minute of Yellowstone. I wouldn't know what's his name, Dutton or something like that. I I, I wouldn't, eh, eh. but they said it's contributed, and this is as of three years ago, $800 million of tourism and new growth in Montana. They attribute to that TV series. Well, there are people moving here like crazy. And Idaho has even more people moving there than we have in Montana. In Utah, Brandon, where you're at, same thing. Nevada, same thing. Arizona, same thing. And so as there's more and more resident growth I expect those residents are going to ask for a less generosity yeah. towards
2: non-residents. That's and you, just, you're seeing that change this year in Colorado. Like they're, they mm-hmm. just, the residents pushed for a lower allocation to the non-resident side and they, they got that change approved. We're going yeah. from, you know, a 35% non-resident allocation down to a 25%. 25. So that's, that's a real change. And you know selfishly from a non-resident in that state i'm going man i don't like that but in my home state of utah i only give you 10 percent of permits so i i get the i get the nature of that and i see both sides of it um i honestly i don't i don't envy the game managers at all in a lot of these in a lot of these western states because they're you know, up between a rock and a hard place in many instances, you've got to cater to a, a resident, you know, a resident group of people. What I'm, what I do appreciate is the resident hunters that do have a sound voice, that are engaged in hunting, that are engaged in the public process. I yep. think there's so many people that, that haven't been engaged in that public process that it kind of gets thrown to the wayside. And you talk about, people moving into a state they can change the voting public or the voting majority and make some real big changes to the hunting public and so yeah you know we say that you know as residents increase across these states as, as resident hunters increase across these states i think that's a good thing because at, at least if you have that you have a voting public that is pro-hunting and and Wants to see that heritage state. When you get a high population move in that is not pro hunting, they can make some yeah. big waves and changes across the western states, and you're seeing that real time. You know, there's there's litigation yeah. and legislation happening in every state, uh, to yeah. that degree. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, I mean, we saw it uh, last year where Wyoming said, "You know what? We're having shrinking moose numbers." We're in cheap numbers. We've tried to be as generous to non residents as we can. They'd given 25%, which is a high percentage for years. And last year they cranked it down to 10%, which I don't blame Wyoming residents for wanting that. You know, like you were saying, Brandon, my state of Montana, we give up to 10%. We don't even carve away a guaranteed 10%. It's just, well, up to 10%. You might get 10, you might only get six percent. So I that's just a reality that's out there on the landscape. And for me, the best way to to make that better is how do we put more elk on the mountain? How do we put more sheep on the mountain? How do we put more deer out in, in you know in the hills? Because that- if if we got twice as many animals, the managers can issue twice as many tags
2: and that is that's one thing that i respect a lot of a lot of the western states is they're very proactive in managing like i'm i'm happy to see states that say oh we had a disease outbreak in a group of sheep we're closing that unit you know and and they react in in real time but you know i my home state of utah for deer always ran off of a three-year trend well by the time you're at a at a reacting to a 3 year trend it's really bad like things yeah. are real bad and then you don't you don't correct for another 3 years and you get with these ebbs and flows that are so big and the the swings are so great that you just really can't manage in that regard and so these states that are proactive and are like you know what our surveys came back we're decreasing permits you know and we're going to reallocate and i like that about game agencies and that's it allows you to do do what you're saying keep keep sheep on the mountain or or introduce ways to to supplement those populations or build populations so you don't have just this declining population to where okay. the hunting just declines with it, so yeah. I um, mean, if we don't
0: focus on putting more animals out there, we've just accepted defeat and said, "Well, let's fight over the scrap till it's all gone." Right. I, I ain't going there. That yeah. that's that's not me. But so I gotta. I'm gonna put you on the hot seat, Nate. You can't use your home state. What's the best value proposition for archery elk outside of your home state? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask you the same thing too, Brandon. So you gotta be thinking about this.
3: Best value proposition.
0: And by that I mean price, draw odds, percent of public land, amount of tags, quality of the hunt.
3: Ooh. I'm Um, gonna go. I've got two in mind, but Brando's mm -hmm. probably got the other one. Um first off the top of my head, just out of ease. I guess you'd say, or what used to be ease, not so easy anymore, but it would be Idaho. Yeah. Um, it's, you can either play the general game, be first in line, which is getting harder <laughs> and harder. Um, you know, but there's always, you know, they might sell out day one, which they do. Uh, yeah. but they have tag sale. I mean, there's a pile of tags that come back in every year in the summer months. So, I mean, that opportunity is there, but they also have good control, um, and it it being a random state they've never had that terrible of odds um so i'd go idaho i'd colorado would be the next one for sure
0: okay brandon are you gonna pick colorado as the other one or are you gonna stick with (laughs) idaho i was. are you you going with well you could pick wyoming because you're not a wyoming resident i was gonna say
2: i'm not a wyoming resident i do (laughs) i do think that I, I, when you ask that question, I go to so many different scenarios, right? Cause it's like, yep. I go to, I go to kind of my scenario was like Colorado. I think it's phenomenal. I think, you know, but it's, it's not, I think the over the counter option in Colorado is, is great. I there's hunting over there that is just amazing. And so I can always kind of put that tag in my pocket. So then I start looking as like, okay, Wyoming is typically in every four year, five year, type state the value there is probably better than most but i also like you start talking idaho nate took idaho i'm not going to talk to it new mexico you start looking at some of the hunts offered in new mexico and the way that their application allows you to structure you know three choices yeah i can get a pretty decent value archery elk hunt in the rut in new mexico and if i don't happen like i've got the backup you know colorado plan and so to me it's 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 hard for me to pick one single state because (laughs) I look at multiple states every year to ensure that there's a permit in my pocket. And so, you know, I may not go out and buy the Colorado OTC tag day one that they're available because I've still got some draws that are going to come in and I want to, you know, I'm allocating not only a a monetary budget, but, you know, a calendar year against contrary belief. We don't all just get a hunt. The entire fall here at Go Hunt, so I do. <laughs> I do have to kind of pick and choose my my time away, and so like I'm looking at the calendar, and and uh, you know, unique to to New Mexico, I get a lot of that money back pretty quick if yeah. I don't draw, and so I can I can play, I can I can. Use the the set dollar figure and the budget that I have. Well, I can play with that same dollar in multiple states, if you will. And so that Damn. that goes into my strategy. So I don't have to carry a you know ten thousand dollar credit limit, you know, across the entire first half of the year. I can play with refunds, and I can play with that same dollar in multiple states. So
3: and to add yeah. on to your New Mexico, there you know, if you're unsuccessful because that's random, right? If you're unsuccessful, it's one of the uh, sure. I would say cheapest uh, out of your pocket in the end, you know, yeah. you get your refund back, but I mean, your non-res license is is nothing compared to most. Right. So it's, it's, it's worth taking that shot. Yeah. That's what
0: I look tell people when you're talking budgets, you got to look at the upfront cost. And this is what hurt Wyoming's value proposition for non-residents. We used to have a deadline of January 31st and we got the results February 21st. And we got our money shortly thereafter, so you could take that money if you didn't draw and play it in Colorado or Montana or wherever else. Well, now they sit on our money forever. So I think there's some economists at Wyoming who are advising them, hey, be first out of the gate so you can steal this pool of non-resident elk money, and you can sit on it for four months or five months, and you've then taken all these people out of the game somewhere else.
2: <laughs> I don't you know. know maybe. That, it, it brings up a unique situation, though, when you look at Wyoming and look at the number of people that just buy the fifty dollar point, the fifty two dollar yep. elk point, because it's structured. Their draw system is structured enough that I can. I don't. I personally don't play the random odd in Wyoming for that exact mm-hmm. reason. I mm-hmm. I know that I'm. I need to get to X number of points, and when I get there. That's when I put my money in. Until I'm there, I'm buying the fifty dollar point because I don't want to tie that fund. I don't want to tie those funds up. And right. so, you know, I think there's a lot of people. I we know there's a lot of people. If you look at the number of people hitting the actual draw versus yeah. the number of people carrying points in Wyoming, and it's staggering. So yeah,
0: you know, I I, I did the analysis last year. Eighteen five percent of the people applied for a tag in other words okay i got a lot of points maybe i'll i'll get my tag this year or i don't have a lot of points but i'm playing the random draw that that so that means 80 what 81.5 percent of the people who are sitting on points in wyoming didn't even apply. They just bought another point and they bought another point. And I'm doing a video on long-term planning about this. And one of the long-term planning frustrations gets, you know, the term that gets thrown out there is point creep, right? We saw it happen in Colorado. Colorado started the first preference point system. And you can look at Colorado, you can look at Wyoming, any state that has a huge number of applicants that are just buying a point and not actually applying for a hunt code. If that ratio is askew, you can bet there is going to be a lot of point creep in that state in the coming years. And I look at my example, I applied for a tag when I first started in Colorado in 1995. This is so embarrassing to to say this, but it's, it's the reality of, of my situation. I, I, I was only like two or three points behind the hunt that I wanted. I didn't catch that hunt until 2016. I had 19 points by the time I caught that. Why? Because Colorado had this huge pile of point buyers. Everyone said, hey, just buy points if you can't go at least buy points. Because there's a time in Colorado it was like 10 bucks for a point or something. It was crazy. Well, We can use Colorado as kind of a projection of what Wyoming's going to look like. And when you only have 20% plus or minus of the people applying for tags and you got 80% buying points, point creep in Wyoming, if people think it's bad now, I'm just here to tell you it's going to get a lot worse. The Hunt Talk Radio podcast is also presented by our wonderful friends at Mountain Tough. If you're like me and you want to hunt until you're 80, or maybe you just want to keep up with the younger folks or your kids later in life, you need to start focusing on your health and your nutrition. It's never too late to get started. I just started and I'm 59. And yeah, I should have started 20 years ago, but I've made that commitment and the Mountain Tough app makes it so easy. So if you want to invest in your health and your hunting, Start your free trial today. Go to mountaintuff.com and when you sign up for the free trial, they're going to give you 14 days free. But when you sign up and use promo code Randy, they're going to add an extra 30 days onto that free trial when you select the monthly plan. I suspect if you listen to this Hunt Talk Radio podcast, you know that we've got 15 seasons of hunting video content. And we have all of that on one great platform. That platform is Fresh Tracks Plus. At Fresh Tracks Plus, there are no ads. It's the highest quality viewing experience. It's available on mobile and smart TV and Roku and Apple TV and Amazon Fire. Your support of Fresh Tracks Plus helps us make more podcasts, more videos, and more educational content. If you want to try it out, go to freshtracks.tv. And you can sign up
2: now. Thanks for your support. Well, and I, I think an important point you're making here, Randy, is point creep isn't something new. It's not something no. that has been introduced <laughs> no. in the last five years, ten years. It's, no. it is, as if there is a point system, point creep happens. Yes. Even if there's not a point system, you can see it happening in a random state like like Nevada or or like New Mexico, where odds diminish. Each increasing year, because these Western states, it's a supply and demand issue. The, su- the supply just can't meet demand. And right. when that happens, you, you see what happens. And so it's, it's not, I, you know, I, I don't want to age myself, so I'm not going to tell you when I started applying Colorado, but okay. it, was, it was the early 2000s, we'll put it that. And okay. I have seen some of the just phenomenal mule deer hunting, I used to draw every other year. I used to draw archery deer hunt in the Gunnison Basin every other year. That now takes me twelve years, and I just quit chasing it because I don't want to deal with the points creep. I'm not not that it's something that that Mm -hmm. was introduced, or I just quit dealing with it. You know, when it started getting Mm -hmm. to two to three to four years, (laughs) I just went. You know what? I'm using my points elsewhere, and so I recognized way back then that was pre-go hunt. That was pre. You know. Yeah. Really anything out there research related it just the popularity through through just conversations people were having caused that hunt you know and then they had a the biggest the biggest contributor was the 2006-07 winter kill. Oh, terrible. And that yeah. like that is the number one thing that is going to contribute to point creep is tag allocation and when they had to cut tags by 60 70%, 80% You know, you saw points jump four and five point levels, six point levels, because it just there weren't the tags, you know. And and so, you know, and you see that happen every year. You know, you see a hunt that they'll allocate more permits and people are like, oh, it got easier to draw. Well, yeah, because they added 250 permits to the pool. You would expect less. And and on the reverse side, you know, we had bad winter kill this last winter, Wyoming, northern Colorado. They decreased a lot of those permits, which they should. I 100% Mm -hmm. support that. But you saw draw odds increase. It took, you know, number of points to draw permit increase. And that's just, those are things that you, you can, to give someone a, a very accurate point level, it, there's some assumption involved there. But you can <laughs> assume looking at previous past data, number of permits that are proposed can come in here and get a rough estimate of what's going to happen. And I think that's an important part of, you know, the product and the, and the, the data that we provide is we show a five-year trend, six-year trend of what's happened over the course of, a, of of that time period for a particular hunt. So if you're looking, if you've got a hunt that you're really interested in, you should be looking at that past trend, looking at proposed tag numbers. A lot of the Western states now are giving us proposed numbers. And you can say, oh, you know, I was right on the cusp last year with the point level. They're going to increase 25 permits to the non-resident pool i'm in this year like i think i've you know looking at past application trends i'm i'm going in on that hunt code i'm relatively confident i'm going to draw that hunt but if you go in completely blind or just looking at a single data point for the previous year you don't you can't make those assumptions and and you know kind of predict what's going to happen in the future if you will
0: yeah i mean imagine if you took nate state of Wyoming last year, and you just assumed everything was going to be the same for the 2023 draw. Well, you guys lost what 50 to 70 percent of pronghorn in some areas?
3: Yep. Yeah, it was uh, pretty bad, pretty bad on the west side. Um, it was almost like, uh, I mean, they were still there because I mean, state bird of Wyoming, they're everywhere, but comparatively <laughs> speaking, um, it was kind of shocking to see a few and not just flocks. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know they'll bounce back, they'll come back. But yeah, they they did quite a few tag cuts. Um, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, and
0: so. my my point of focusing on that is people who sat on points before that winter in in the in the spring of 2022. I did a video called "Burn Your Points, Don't Be a Point Collector." Man, did I get lit up for that? And my message was if it fits your time and fits your budget, there's never a year when your points are going to be worth more than they are this year because of weather events, disease events, whatever, change in draw systems, tag, change in tag allocations. And uh, I didn't know that hard winter was coming in 22, 23. I mean, but people are like, well, yeah, how how, how convenient you burned all your points. Well, no, I burned my points just because, if it's something that fits my time, my calendar, and my budget, uh, my of office reply is what you're going to get if you email me.
3: And now it's just going to get any. It's just going to get worse, especially for pronghorn in those units, because it's going to take a couple years for those numbers to come back up, oh. yep. and before they start a lot more tags. So now everybody that could have drawn previously sitting on points, so is everybody else. And by the time the tag members come back up, there's
2: going to be more people with more points, and they're going to start dumping. And, um, yeah, it's a... You, oh yeah. you mentioned something very interesting, Randy, and point systems have the potential to change. You know, you, All the time. Uh, just because there is a preference point system today and this year does not necessarily mean that a state can't change that to a bonus system or a no-point system uh, in the future. And that's, you know, I... As hard as that pill is to swallow, because you, a lot of people consider points they've earned like money in the bank that they're right. they're going to well, that particular bank can just purge that account, and so people need to understand that that was a real conversation happening in Wyoming, you know whether they were going to keep a bonus or a preference system or go to a bonus system, and. Mm-hmm you know, that, that was a pretty heated discussion. And I, I can see pros to both. I can see cons to, to a lot of it. And, but it's, that was the biggest takeaway that I had personally was a state does not have to guarantee me anything because of the point level that I have. And if right. they, if they want to change that, they have prerogative to do that. It's, <laughs> it's their wildlife to manage. And, and, man, you you know, I feel for, I've got, I've got, you know, sheep points in my home state of Utah. I'm, you know, high double digits, my dad, we we were finally able to burn a lot of my dad's points on various different one-off type hunts because it, it was that way. We, he got so tired of building points for that one elite hunt that he wanted to experience that we were like, man, before your health or something happens, like, let's use those. And so, yeah. you know, there are so many variables the future can bring that, you know, there's a saying, there was a saying in Gohan a long, long time ago, we'd rather pack meat than points. And so you know, <laughs> a, a lot of us a, a lot a lot of us have multi-state, multi-year strategies. So there are states we're building right. points, there are states we burn points every other year. There are some states we just don't build points in at all because there are yeah. o- other options available. And so, you know, but man, the, a sad day right. comes if you ever see your points just disappear and you don't get to use them for a permit or a hunt somewhere. So well, well to go
3: along with that. They didn't change the point system, but when they when they did the allocation cut for non-residents for the big three in Wyoming, you know, if, you've, if you're a guy that's four points behind max and you were going after a sheep tag, your points pretty much just got wiped out. Yeah. I mean, you'll never catch it ever. I mean, depending on where you're at, obviously age-wise or whatever, but I mean, right. it wiped a lot of people out of that competition, period.
0: Yeah, so So, that gets me to a question. Brandon, you said you you do over-the-counter Colorado elk. Nate, you ever do over-the-counter Colorado elk?
3: I haven't done over-the-counter elk in Colorado yet.
0: Okay, Mm -hmm. because right now they got a committee meeting in Colorado, has been meeting for the last, I think, eight months, about what maybe should we change in our draw system? And some of the rumors being kicked around is non-residents should have to burn points to get an over-the-counter elk tag. So, if that happens, think about how uh, this the, the, that is the largest pool of non-resident elk hunters in any state. Maybe maybe more than all the other states combined as far as non-resident elk hunters. If they change that, think about that what that does to your Colorado points and think about what that does to push pressure to other places, which makes whatever points you have today are worth
2: more than they
0: will be when that change
2: happens. It's that is such a deep thought and conversation because if they were to make a change like that, either it's going to like your over the counter is going to get that much better because all these people aren't going to buy the tech or you're going to have a whole bunch of people that say, forget it, I'm going to hunt elk every year. Your point pool just floods out. There's you know, And so at that point, what hunts are available in a two to five point, like it, it could do so much to the dynamics of elk hunting and where you could hunt, where like the application strategy and structure that would need it with a change like that is like, you could find some opportunities that would be world class and do them every year. It just like those are the types of things that can change. So I don't I love the fact that it's, it's part of the most intriguing part of the job is thinking about those scenarios and trying being on the forefront of that. And mm-hmm. and when states have those types of conversations to to open that book up and be like, it's not necessarily doom and gloom when they start these conversations. There's a there's a lot of, of potential benefit to a lot of Western hunters with these types of changes. But Man, talk about a rippling effect through the hunting world. If that were to happen, it would just, it would be, it would be shocking. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, the one thing that, and this is, so let's see, if 95 was my first year applying, 2024, this is, this is my 30th year of applying. Uh, if there's one thing I've learned or a couple things, it's that things change. Tag allocations change, draw systems change, prices and fees change, economic conditions change. I mean, it was really easy to draw tags for a little bubble there when the stock market crashed in 2008. 10, and 11 were some of the easiest years ever to draw tags. And then the economy starts rebounding. So there's all these things that change.
2: Well, and even the the animals in a particular unit change. Like... I, that's another thing. Like a lot of you take take Colorado, the the unit tens and twos and those super well. Sometimes those aren't as good as some of the other unit. Like there are so many dynamics that go into you know the what you're saying the change year in and year out. That you know in my home state of Utah, the Henry Mountains were the mecca of mule deer for so many years, mm-hmm. and they've been in a decline for the last you know five to seven ten years. And the Ponza has Come back up and risen, and it's kind of in decline. So, even in my application time period in my home state, is like those units have just changed with the with the potentials that they offer. And you know, we have the Oak Creeks pop up that have been phenomenal the last few years. And so, you know, the change just doesn't necessarily have to be states making change or the economic changes. It's animal behavior. There's so many so many variables that that are not constant year in and year out. Mm-hmm
0: yeah well, the one thing i've learned also learned in thirty years is the benefit goes to the person who is trying to stay informed on that
3: 100%, 100%. <laughs> uh,
0: i don't I don't know what to tell people i your wonderful state of Wyoming I drew a southwest Wyoming pronghorn unit tag four years in a row. I have no idea why there wasn't huge demand for that unit because I was going on there shooting really <laughs> nice bucks and I'm like and then it hit one of these research services, it hit one of their lists I haven't drawn it since. I just quit <laughs> applying it so there, there's other things that cause these changes. I thought boy I, I'm going to hunt pronghorn the rest of my life here. I'm not telling anybody I hope no one sees me out here. Well it changed and uh so that's it just it, it is life i i get that it's nice to live in the past a little bit we always remember the good of the past we we're comfortable and looking historically because none of us have a really good crystal ball but that's what i try to do in application season and uh people hear it on this podcast they hear it in my videos to build that crystal ball i gotta have all these pieces of information. And the first place I go is the strategy articles you guys put out. You guys pretty much put out the trend of that, you know, here's the long-term trend of the game numbers in that, that state. And maybe sometimes it's an up curve. A lot of times it's been a down curve. Okay. Then uh, I go in that strategy article, i start looking at, all right, what, what are the point pools at what level? And obviously I'm going in and looking at draw odds, but, uh, there's There's a lot of stuff I try to piece together for my crystal ball. It's not as clear as I'd like it to be because I've never drawn a sheep tag in my entire life, so uh, obviously i've I got a lot of flaws in my crystal ball but uh the the other part of that is is I was that person at one time who was on a tight budget, raising a family, starting my c p a firm doing my own business. And my priority was to hunt as much as I could within what my budget allowed. And I'm still convinced there are ways that you can go hunting every year. I mean, Nate, you talked about Idaho tags that get returned. There's other states. Montana returns a lot of tags. And so a lot of people think, oh, I didn't draw my, my home run hit that I swung for. I'm not going hunting this year. To me, that's the time to roll up your sleeves and really start diving into the information because there's still a ton of opportunity and most people have forgotten about those. So
3: go. They've forgotten about it or they look at it as maybe not the same opportunity or not the same quality of, of hunt. But in all reality, some of these easier tags to get in your pocket uh, can be just that. Um I mean, just because they're over the counter, just because they're easily or more easily attainable doesn't mean that they're, you know, garbage tags. I mean, some of them are actually, I mean, darn good. Um, So, I mean, it just takes a little bit of looking. And, man, if you can get on a strategy or look ahead a little bit of trying to get some of these easier tags, maybe one a year, you know, um, in, in a certain state, then build point in another state. And yeah. then, you know, after a couple of years of getting these easier to draw tags, well, now you got a couple of points in a couple of places and doors start opening. And it's just, it's almost like a, I look at it as a revolving door. You know, if I'm, if I'm not burning, I'm building, but it's for, you know, I'm not building for 20 years. There's a couple I am, but I mean, you know, yeah. try to keep that revolving door open. Look at it as what can I get coming up in a few years? And then just keep that ball rolling while looking for some of these
2: other tags. And I don't think that you know you talk about that. Your strategy doesn't have to be the same every year. You know, right. I, I you know you talk life life happens, circumstances happen. Some year you're some years you're gonna be able to spend a little bit more for hunting, and some years you're just not going to be able to. And understanding, you know, we we talk about those application strategies. We get a lot of information in those. Part of them are costs associated right. with applying with these states. And so understanding what options are out there? I know it is very intimidating when you're looking at a state for the first time, and you have you've never applied in it or you've never purchased a permit. It can be very intimidating, almost overwhelming, to where people don't even don't even get started. Um, yeah. Those application strategy articles walk you through that, and they're not intimidating. You know, you can get very comfortable with a state system by just reading through those. And if that yep, if that state's not for you that year gain that knowledge and understanding it may be applicable the next year you know and Mm -hmm. i i we 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 coach and preach that you know to everybody we talk to look at as many states as you can we're not saying apply in every single state out there or go hunting in every single state out there look at your options and find Mm -hmm. them and see where that kind of slots in and and you know, it, it may be that antelope hunt in Wyoming every four years that I get to do with the kids and the wife and we make a little family vacation. And that's where I at. that's the budget that I allocate is the Disneyland fund. Instead of going down there, we go up to Wyoming for a weekend. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of things. I I'm I'm with you, Randy. I think there's a lot of people that just want have the desire to go out there. they they're, you know, they're on a shoestring budget. They don't have a ton to spend. They they want to, um, and they just don't know how to make it happen, if you will. And so, you know, that's that's a, exactly what our our platform caters to, is you know that we have a one of the I, one of the guys on our Gais team is from Texas, and him and his brother have they make a trip to Colorado every year, and it's they, they're not it's a it's a no name unit, but they can get a permit. They love to muzzle hunt because it's it's during the rut it's a it's a second choice muzzleloader tag they do it every year and this year they hadn't they hadn't killed a bull this year they both shot one three days opening morning got one (laughs) two days later went back out got another one and it that hunt was the world to them and they did it they did it in a they where they had to collaborate schedules they had seven days they knew the seven days they were going out, and they knew the budget that they had to, to accomplish that. They, yeah. you know, they by no means did they stay at a four star resort. You know, they're they're scribbling together gear, they're they're putting, you know, just time and effort and a little bit of money, and and they got it done on a on what most would consider a world class hunt. So, yeah. I I think with with knowledge comes power, and with knowledge opportunities open. And so the more you can understand, the more you can educate yourself on, the more you can become comfortable on the front end, the more possibilities and opportunities and and doors will open for you with that that knowledge and understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I hope people take from this and take from our content. And that's why I always talk about short-term, mid-term, and long-term plans. And maybe my definition of years is, you know, between this year and five years from now, short term, six to nine years is lo- midterm and double digits is, is long term. And you get to my age, you know, I'm 59. I'm I'm looking at, you know, I, I, I don't want to sit. I, I would give anything for people to take these 20 some sheep points I have all over the West, but that's one where you can't burn your points if you want to, right? (laughs) There's some species, I I always joke, don't sit on your points, burn them. Well, there's a few species where you you can try, but it doesn't matter. But you look at where I'm at with elk and deer and pronghorn, I don't ever want to have more than five points because I know there are so many good places I can go as an over-the-counter tag, a general tag uh a two-point unit a four-point unit like you know colorado a lot of people are like well over the counter is too crowded for me for elk i don't like it okay go first rifle then same unit but it's limited number of tags and a lot of those units some are zero point units Mm -hmm. a lot of them are one or two point units and they're fun hunts. They're middle of October, weather's better. It's, I've done them. That's, that is, I, talking about how life changes, once it took me 19 years to realize I'm never catching the first rifle season for elk I wanted, so I'd settled for a second or third because I, I started out three points behind and over 19 years, I caught up by one point. I said, you know what? I'm burning it on a second, third season. And after this, My life situation is I'm at my age, I just want to go to Colorado and elk hunt. I'm doing over the counter or I'm doing, you know,
2: one to four point hunts. And well, and I think that's, you know, that's a unique, and it may not last forever, but something that we often tell people is, you know, the off years, like, you know, say you want to hunt elk in October, November every year. Well, a lot of those units, like you were mentioning, first rifle you're going to draw every two or three years, pick up the over-the-counter and go hunt the same unit in the off years. Yeah, you right. might get a little more crowded. There might be a few more people, but guess, you're going to learn drone systems. You're going to learn yeah. how elk behave to pressure. You're going to know there's so much information that you're going to learn about that area, and you're in a great state every single year. And so that's the type of strategy that I think people, if they could, and the cost is the same. Like, so I, you know, that's something that we talk about often is get in the field, learn the skill, have some fun. You know, a second season elk camp with a wall tent and a group of buddies is pretty hard to beat, even if there's a bunch of people around. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I've kind of fessed up to my pronghorn uh, problems. Nate. You, you into mule deer like every other person I know from Wyoming. <laughs>
3: uh, mule deer is my bug for sure. Um, really? mule deer is my bug, and the one thing that for another species, if I had to pick, it would be late rifle bulls. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> There's a lot of there's a lot of similarities on how you hunt between really? uh, September. September first of October mule deer to super late like November late season bulls, a lot of similarities there. Uh, but yeah, I'm chasing the gray ghost for okay. number one priority. I,
0: I was hoping you'd say that. So now I'm going to put you on the spot again. Right. Other than your home state, if you if if someone else wants to acquire the mule deer bug, what's the what's the value proposition there
2: that you'd tell people to look for? Whether it's building points or going, I was just going to say. I'll bet I can guess. It's going to be very similar to his elk option, really.
3: Uh, Just for ease, uh, really. I mean, you're you're back. In my opinion, I think you're back to you're back to Idaho or Colorado. Um, Yeah. And just for ease of getting the tag, uh, if you look at New Mexico, some of those that used to be maybe some hotbed units back in the day are might not be prioritized as much, but some of those mule deer hunts are getting easier to draw in New Mexico as well. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to go Idaho on this one. Um, okay. I think a lot of people are getting the elk bug too. So, you know, and I might ruin it for everybody, but uh, a lot of the, you know, it took a while for them general elk or general deer tags to go comparatively speaking to the general elk in Idaho. Yeah. Um, and it's a great opportunity to go. Uh, I've had some great general hunts in Idaho, uh, mm. specifically for meal deer. Um, it, they're October. They're absolutely terrible for, you know, moon and weather <laughs> and, and all this stuff. I mean, they're not easy.
0: Warm, it's, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. But, uh, it gets you out. And, uh, yeah. I think in some cases more attainable than some other tags for sure. And there's a lot yeah. that of those that come back, every spring and summer for tags you know resale
0: yeah so all right brandon yeah you, you you got a meal deer itch that you ever go on scratch
2: that's i that's i'm with nate that's i'm not a, a big elk hunter to be honest i really i, I don't i I do okay i'm so back's i grew up on the Pavant in utah So as a kid, I would shed hunt, particularly during the early 2000s. And it just, the number of 400-inch bulls that the mountains grew in my backyard, it was phenomenal. And so in my home, I have, you know, a few big bulls, like the 380-plus type bulls hanging. And I got sheds from, you know, anywhere from the 380s into the 14s. And so to me, that's a neat bull. Yeah. And and growing up my grandpa hunted mule deer. My grandpa didn't hunt elk at all. Didn't care for them, didn't like them. Thought they were loud and stinky and, <laughs> and so like we we grew up deer hunters through and through. Um and I got the chance to hunt um some some of the basin units pre-2006. You know, early archery muzzleloader hunts and just that when you hunt that type of mule deer terrain in those years, you'd never get that out of your system. Like the amount of deer, the amount of just big deer that grew back then were amazing. And so I'm always just trying to find that next little niche hunt. This year I went to a unit I've hunted around. I've hunted every unit around this particular unit. And it's just not, it's not a known unit. It's not a deer unit, if you will. And I still had a, a blast. I didn't see the type of buck that I wanted. Uh, I ended up killing a decent four point, um, but a, just a new, different style of terrain, different style hunt, just something new uh, learned. You know about some mule deer behavior that I didn't know. Um, yeah. But I just anything I can do deer wise, I think Colorado is still the king of mule deer in my opinion. Um, I don't think it's as good as as what it once was. I think that late season, you know, moving the season dates back for the last few years has really changed the, the upper age class in that state. Yeah. But I think there's, it's still better than most, if you will. Um, so I, I would, I would pick Colorado. It's, that's a state I often tell people in the office. I don't ever want a year to go by that. I don't have a deer tag in the state of Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) whether it's an archery hunt i'm leaning more towards i that's family dynamic change my dream this year is to put a second or third season deer tag in my pocket and go let my seven-year-old pick the buck that we harvest like that's like the joy that that would give is just um, it's It's to see them light up when it's five in the morning and you're loading up the car and like they've got their own binoculars and they're going out like that's become really fun to me. And so, you know, the the days of high country mule deer hunting may be over just because I want to have a blast with the boys. And so that's but yeah, deer deer hunting and and boys is that that's where I'll be. Yeah.
0: Well, that's good to know. I'm, I'm, we, we really don't. I, I'm, Nate, I, I'm with you. I really do like late rifle L like late season. Uh, but I really wish I could pay more to accelerate your pronghorn recovery in wyoming
3: yeah no kidding because
0: at this point in my life i only got so many options to apply and damn it i don't want to wait six <laughs> years for those rebounds to happen down there i know that sounds pretty selfish but uh so i i i, I guess we all have our our passions and, the, and that 100%. drives our application strategies right 100 i mean i i I burned 25 Utah pronghorn points last year. And if I wasn't such a pronghorn nut, I would have had an unbelievable elk tag with 25 points, probably long before last year. But that's where we talk about it needs to be your personal priorities, not my priorities, not Nate's priorities, not Brandon's priorities, your priorities. What do you want out of this? Right. And I wanted to go hunt this one place in in uh, Utah for pronghorn. And I forsake it because back in the day when I started, you had, as a non-resident, you had to pick elk, deer, or pronghorn. You got one of those. And then you got one of the once in a lifetime. So I picked bison and I picked pronghorn. And everyone's like, pronghorn in Utah? You're an idiot. Why, why would you not pick elk? Well, it just was my priority. And so it took me 25 years and I I burned my points and I just enjoyed all seven days of hanging out there. And uh, so, uh, but I, I, I just tell people that and I, I use that as one of my examples is I understand you may not have that passion I do for pronghorn. So it would be foolish for me to suggest that you should do that. Right. You You need to go do the things that are important to you.
3: And I yeah, think people weird. learn that, you know, let's say they're brand new. I mean, it might take them a minute to, to learn, you know, what they're into. It might be the first animal they shoot and they go, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And then they start chasing it and start filling different, different hunts with different species, you know, or it might take somebody to harvest one of each and go, you know what? I like that one the best. And then, yeah. So everyone's going to be different on that, but
0: yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm. Di- I got another video that I am gonna be releasing here. It's called the Moose, Goat, and Sheep Reality Check. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and,
1: and,
0: and I really want that for people who are new hunters or new to this. And I use my own example. Me and my son. After this year, I looked at what applications we're gonna do in the West this year. We will have done 305 sheep applications in our combined lifetimes. We have drawn zero sheep tags, and that's pretty much what I expected it to be. So if you're on a budget, don't instantly say, oh, I want to get a bighorn tag and go allocate all your money to that as some wild dream if you have some of these other things. Because the reality is there's not a lot of moose and goat and sheep and bison tags out there. And so for those people like me who was on, you know, a very tight budget when I first started, I had to forgo Colorado. I wanted I really would have wanted to get into the Colorado moose, goat, and sheep game, but it would have meant I had to give up on Wyoming pronghorn. And I wasn't gonna do that. I would have had to give up on Nevada Meal Deer. I went to college in Nevada. I was not giving up on Nevada. So here I am after 30 years. I still have never applied for moose, goat, or sheep in Colorado because it, were it rates in my priorities and what it would demand for my budget, both sunk cost and upfront costs, I would be giving up too much. Now I got a ton of friends who that's all they're they're, they're like Colorado. That's all I'm in on, man. Moose, goat, and sheep. Cool. Yeah. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, that video uh, plays. I I kind of sum it up by saying, if you're already applying in the state and you have all the sunk costs of the non-resident license and everything for elk and deer, sure, buy the $10, $15 chance to maybe draw sheep or moose or goat. But,
2: but it, it, it even goes in further than that because in Colorado, you don't necessarily have to buy the point. So some year, you know, it's a hundred bucks per species, you know, maybe, you know, if you're applying for deer, you throw in for the chance of drawing, you know, it's, there's a lot that goes into budgeting, but I'm with you, Randy. I think it's a personal perspective. Like I may think desert bighorns are the coolest animal in the world and, you know, Nate may not, you know, he may want to just chase Buffalo or something. So (laughs) I don't, I, I. I think it's, it, that is a challenging part for new hunters, to be honest with you. I think they, they try and figure out, you know, they may have a group of friends that are very passionate about one thing and figure out that I, I'm not, you know, I'm not passionate about elk hunting with a bow and arrow. You know, I, I may just like to hunt deer. And so I I think that's a great video. I think you know, illustrating that fact very upfront and just very frank and be honest. You know, I think it's a, a dream of a lot of people to hunt bighorn sheep. Fact of the matter is, most of us are going to die without <laughs> ever doing it. Just, it, it's you but know, I,
0: I I fully expect I'm going to my grave with more than twenty some points in for sheep in Nevada, Arizona, and Montana, and. I don't know. I think I've got 14 in Utah for desert and rocky, but I might not live six more years. So I I didn't I didn't want to test my luck and say I'm I'm going to live six more years and I'll have 20 points that I take to my grave in Utah, but I just I a point of of bringing that up is just because you got a neighbor who maybe has a different way or, or a different point in their life where they can afford all that stuff or that's all they focus on. Don't give up all these other really fun, reachable, doable opportunities and sit at home for a hunting season. Because we, even at your ages, you know somebody who said, yeah, I'll go hunt next year. I'll go with you the year after or, or someday. And they're either not with us today or they've had a health event or a financial event or a job event or a family event where they're not going for a long time, if ever. Right. and you you don't get those back you know no matter how many hunting seasons you have if you give up two or three of them just because you weren't on the ball you don't get those two or three hunting seasons back
2: no <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and to be honest the worst hunt i've ever had is still better than the hunt i didn't go on <laughs> Like, it, it, I've I've spent absolutely I've spent ten days looking at three deer and just wondering what I'm doing. And at the end of those ten days, it sure beat the week before that when I was sitting at work. So yeah, like it's, it's there's, it, if the if the permit in your pocket is a reason to get you outside and having fun, just put some random permits in your pocket. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and that's where I I hope people realize how valuable your, your product is for doing that. I, I still, in fact, I got dinged on my credit card the other day for my renewal at GoHunt. And, uh, every time I do, it reminds me when I first met you guys, uh, uh, you had a booth i i was there doing a thing for the rocky mountain elk foundation down in vegas and you guys had a booth and i'd heard about some some group thinks they're going to replace all my spreadsheets and i'm right. right i'm an accountant right i'm the charlie daniels of Excel. so i i have spreadsheets i still have them all on hard drives <laughs> Don't ask me why. It's just like I still have all of my old paper BLM maps and Forest Service maps. Don't ask me why. <laughs> Anyhow, I I go and I meet and Chris Porter, your your CEO, is there with, in the booth with Brady and I'm talking to him. He has no clue who I am, and that's fine. Uh, but I. I looked at the product and I'm told him how many States I apply in and dah, da, da, And he's like, well, you should buy it. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not sure you ought to let me try it. He's like, no way, man. You, you think you're some so-and-so you ought to put your money where your mouth is. So I gave him my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't had to hardly do any spreadsheet since then. I think that was 2000, I don't know, what would that have been, 14 or 14. 15, some, some somewhere in there. Uh, 15, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, every time I get my credit card gets dinged for my annual renewal, it, it reminds me back to that meeting. And, and then he, he had the courage to email me and say well is it what you think it is i wanted to say it's none of your business i just paid you 149 bucks stick <laughs> it in your ear pal but, <laughs> so but it's it has become uh, uh i don't want to say a crutch it's become that asset that cool that that i use and like i said earlier first thing i go to the strategy articles and i'd start filtering and then i go to draws and yep. that's i start from there and that that is what I do within that is driven by the priorities and the budgets I have. Me and the crew, we just sat down last week and we went through, okay, what story do you want to tell this year? What story you want to tell? Marcus, how about you? And we bi- we build our application plan based on that. And that's going to be different than anybody else. But we have to figure out ways to get tags to tell those stories every year.
3: Right.
0: And that process. I guess I use that as the validation that there are hunts to be had. You just got to go and find them yeah.
2: and say, I want to do that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to note that there are hunts to be had this year. This year. Yes. Like 2024. It's, it's, yep. There are there are Western big game hunts you can do in 2024. And so yes. I think that's, that's an important aspect of that that conversation is don't put it off don't think that it's something that i have to plan multiple years in advance commit to it make the decision get a tag go have a good time yeah
3: you know i think another thing too for new users or uh people that are new to the game or just getting into it i mean if they find any of this intimidating whatsoever um shoot us an email if you got questions we answer questions all the time and you know walk people through all sorts of things from start i'm brand new to this to hey i've been doing this 15 years so i mean yeah don't be afraid to you know shoot us an email and say hey i like it don't quite understand it uh you know how how can you help me look at what i'm trying to find
0: yeah you know? well so. i appreciate you guys doing that i, I all of the People in my audience who uses your product—they're all big fans of your customer service and responsive—and just you know, you guys have shown your commitment to wanting to help people, and it's uh, it's helpful because there are, it is intimidating, and there are a lot of people who want to do it. They they might have just moved out west, right? The, the job took them to Utah or Colorado or Montana or wherever, and you know. It, it was pretty easy hunting. I used to go hunt grandpa's 60 acres back in Illinois. Well, <laughs> yeah. also, of a sudden it's like you get, you got thrown in a whole new basket. So it's, uh, one, it, of I, I, I,
2: of, I, one of the great things about that is the public land that we have out West, you get a whole lot more than the 60 acres. So, yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time today. Any, any uh, last pointers of the upcoming application season that you want the audience. We we touched on the change in Wyoming prices. We touched on the change in how they broke up the
2: general units.
0: Arizona didn't change hardly anything.
2: Added a couple hunts and a couple permits here and there and did their normal swaps, but nope, this year it, yeah. it was pretty status quo year over year, yeah. which is a good thing, I, I think.
0: So. Yeah, I do see that Arizona rolled the deadline earlier a week. I wonder how many
2: people will be sleeping at the switch and miss February 6th. That was going to be my one suggestion. (laughs) We have a great article with all the dates and deadlines. If you have our mobile app, which, which has a research section in and out you get Mm -hmm. push notifications. So you get a notification on the app of every one of these Western deadlines. Just don't miss an application deadline, whether, whether you're building points or actually applying there's a lot of benefits to to know when those are and don't miss them. So that was my one pointer. Yep. Uh, I was gonna say application
3: season starts now and it pretty much goes into June through June. So uh there's a lot of opportunity. You got a lot of months to uh capitalize on that. So, you know, like I said, if you're brand new, just starting, got to pick one. Uh you've got a lot to choose from, but uh good time to start looking is now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, if you aren't in the, you know, you can't score a touchdown if you're not in the football game. That's right. You can't They They don't look you up in, well, this, this applies for people my age. When we used to get a, a yellow pages phone book, I always yeah. would say they don't look you up in the phone book and just call you to say, I have a tag for you. Yeah. Now, what would it be? Hey, Google, they don't, yeah. they don't send you a DM on Instagram. Which if they did that, I'd be screwed because I don't know how to use Instagram. So, <laughs> I'm glad they don't do that. But my point is, you got to be proactive. You got to have the desire and in, in the interest of wanting to, to know how to do it and take those few steps. But don't let people, I, I think some people just complain about it. They make it sound so overwhelming, intimidating that a lot of folks just throw their hands up in there. And it'd be a shame if they quit hunting because of that. Yeah. And uh, so there's a tag for somebody in 2024. Right. I already got a tag for
1: 2024.
0: So does I Nate. Do. Yeah. <laughs> I do, yeah. <not> <laughs> it's, it's called living in Montana. <laughs> no, actually, I have a black bear tag already for yeah. this spring up in Alaska. So,
3: but. And, I lucked I lucked out and got a halfway decent draw number on December first. So, uh, oh, really, gives, gives me something to do in Idaho. Go chase some mule deer. So,
0: you know, I I, I think before we leave, I'm going to touch on this Idaho thing. <laughs> uh, I didn't even play the game in Idaho this year. Uh, the I said I thought that Wyoming had some economists advising them. I think Idaho does also. Because if when you go to business school, you study this thing called scarcity theory, right? And everyone has been marketed in a scarcity theory manner that says, you know, we only have fifty of these, so call now. Yeah. And guess what? They've done enough studies on the human psychology that it works. So it's not like we have fewer non-resident deer and elk tags in idaho than we did before the change in what was it 2018 or 19 whenever they all they did was they changed which regions the tags are good for so under this scarcity theory there's two forks to it scarcity in reality and scarcity in perception in other words do people perceive there's a scarcity because if you can just convince them that there's a scarcity, they will act as though there's a scarcity and they'll do crazy things.
2: Yep. And the crazy thing there is, some of those zones that sell out on December 1, it yeah. baffles me. Like, you see the majority of those tags get turned back in because I think exactly. people, the, the psychological aspect, they're on there. That's the only tag available. It's available. They buy it. And then they realize what, I just bought what for what? <laughs> yeah. and, and then the next thing they're doing is, how do I turn this back in? And so yeah. it's, it works though, like
0: right? it, so. it, it does. It's proven that it works. If you take marketing 202, maybe not 101, 202, they're gonna, they will get into scarcity thinking about how that affects customers and how to create the sense of scarcity. And I don't, I think I'm giving Idaho Game and Fish too much credit for them thinking of this from a business standpoint, but the human behavior, the response from hunters to me has just been astounding. It has more people in line than ever before on December 1st, and it has more return tags than ever before.
2: Well, and the interesting data point that we pulled this year, the number of people that are traveling if you look at the last three years, the number of people that are traveling to purchase these in person to the state of Idaho is increasing every year over the last three years. Really? There are more <laughs> non-residents traveling to Idaho to buy a tag <laughs> on December 1 than you would realize. It's, oh. So it's there, there's a lot there.
0: So anyhow, I'm gonna someday. I'm gonna get into this whole scarcity thinking mindset as it applies to all these things in hunting, because the opposite of scarcity is is abundance, and I, I've talked about that on this podcast before. But if you want to see how people respond to a scarcity perception, just look at Idaho.
3: at Idaho. <laughs> and
0: and I, I, last year I actually got. I think my number in line was 2,800 or something. That's the lowest number I've ever had. And I ended up with an archery elk tag. But even at that, there were only two or three of them left by the time I got to the front of the line. Yep. And I asked people, how could that be? And they, a lot of them said what you said, Brandon. Well, there's a ton of people who drive over to Idaho Falls or drive to Boise or drive to Pocatello. And they're standing in line. All the people in Spokane, they just drove over to Post Falls. They're standing in line at Cabela's there. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. uh, slow me. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't <laughs> know you could do that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to use Idaho as an observation of hunter behavior or applicant behavior of how many people now get in that line compared to what it was before. Same number of tags.
2: <laughs> well, and well, um, you, uh, this year, I, I I played the game. I logged in. I saw my number. I logged out. I was like, "Yep, nope, not gonna happen." Went on the yeah. day, <laughs> but in most years since this has been implemented, I've I've picked up my tag at a later sale date. Yeah, and so it's not just because you missed December one. I've obtained more tags after that initial day than I have the actual December one day. That tells you a little bit about my luck and being able to draw tags. <laughs>
0: so. Well, Nate, I'm glad since you named Idaho as top up there for some of your your value propositions. I'm glad you got a low number. I hope you get a low number every year.
3: <laughs> it doesn't happen every year, but that was I did the same thing. I logged in. I went. I think I'll stay on this one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh well guys thanks so much i really appreciate it i know we're just about you know when this podcast drops it's going to be right near the wyoming deadline the arizona deadline and uh just really appreciate you guys sharing your ideas your thoughts what your crystal ball looks like a little bit and uh, hopefully uh when we get together after the application season's over we all have some tags because of, what if the audience says, all right, you three jokers, what do you guys end up with for tags? And what if we all struck out? <laughs> oh, we'll have tags. Um. Yeah. Well, Nate's already got, got yeah. tags. He said, so he, yeah. Okay. Well.
3: None in the actual draw process, but yes, I do have it. So <laughs> we'll see when the draw season's over yeah
0: well thanks so much guys really appreciate it as always folks uh i hope that you realize what we've talked about here is just one small portion of the go hunt product we didn't even talk about the gear shop we didn't talk about maps we didn't talk about a whole bunch of other things you get all that for the same price and they know that if you use promo code randy you'll draw more tags. Or if you don't draw more tags, at least Go Hunt's going to put $50 a gear in the gear shop for him. Yep. I hope. Now that I said that, everyone who used promo code Randy's going to get a hold of me and say, Hey, Newberg, I didn't draw this year, man. Want, you're going to pay my fee. Can, that be, uh, can yeah. that be
2: our excuse when people reach out? Oh, oh you didn't use promo code Randy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. That's what you should tell them. Well, if you would have used promo code Randy, you would have drawn this year. Yeah. <laughs> but if promo code randy worked as well as i think it was would work i wouldn't be sitting on max sheet points in montana and 20 plus sheet points in nevada and arizona but oh well yeah. maybe I'll, can, I'll convince him someday but all right guys have a great evening thanks so much really
2: appreciate it you, you too, thanks, thanks you. randy
1: when the sun